Before we get to our next episode, I want to tell you a little bit about where these next few cases are going to be coming from. It's my backyard. It is in the city of Zanesville, Miss Kingdom County. We are located kind of central, southeastern part of Ohio. And we're famous for our Y Bridge. We're also known as the pottery capital of the world. I guess there used to be all kinds of pottery factories dotting the lands around here. We're also infamous for the Zanesville Massacre. There was a slaughter of exotic animals that were purposely let loose by the owner. And we had lions and tigers and bears, actually. That's what we had running through our highways and our driveways. So, yeah, that's just a little bit about the place that I love and where I live. So stick with us. And we have Barb Frame coming up next. Barb Frame, you know my name. On January 30th, 1985, around 5 p.m., Barb Frame left her home to keep an appointment with her attorney. She told her children she wouldn't be gone long and not to worry. So she walked out her back door, got into her car, and drove off into the darkness, never to be seen again. What happened to this pretty young mother remains anyone's guess, as 38 years later, her disappearance and whereabouts are shrouded in mystery. Barbara Sue Gibson Hubbard Frame was born. Barbara Sue Gibson Hubbard Frame was born on July 24, 1946, in the city of Zanesville, in Ohio. She was the fifth child of Ernest and Anna Wilson Gibson, and like any other happy child, she was an eager little girl, eager to learn, eager to show her love, and always eager to help. Barb had her mother's gentle heart and her father's ready smile. And she believed the old saying of, to have friends, you have to be a friend. And that really was how she lived her life. She was always there for her family and friends and neighbors. And she was ready to help, no matter what they needed. She was a mother of three. Kathy was the oldest. Then she had two younger siblings, Ernest and Eric. Those children were the light of Barb's life. She beamed with pride whenever she shared an accomplishment, didn't matter how small it was. She took pride in her home, her family, and she was really happy in the kitchen. She loved to cook simple meals, but she put a lot of love in it. You know, she was the girl next door. You know, she really was that friend and neighbor that we all hope to have in our lives. Then quickly, her world began to fall apart, and her marriage of 15 years ended in a divorce. But, being a true survivor, she met that challenge head-on, and though her heart was breaking and she was so disappointed, she picked up the pieces of her life and continued on. Barb dug her heels in and focused on her work and caring for her children became her full-time life mode. It wasn't easy, but she kept going because she didn't have any other choice. You know the single mothers out there, you know how that is. Well, the following year, she remarried. However, that marriage ended in divorce only after four rough and trying years. At this point in her life, her mother was seriously ill and in the hospital, and Barb found herself juggling her time between her job, home, children, and that sick mother who, sick mother who she deeply loved. That day began pretty much the same as any other day. January 30th, 1985, 
Barb was hurrying for work while the children made their way to school. By noon that day, it began to snow, just flurries. It already had eight inches on the ground. The temperatures were around near freezing. Now, ice had broken off the roof of their home that day, and it fell and broke glass in one of the bedroom windows, which was allowing the bitter cold to come in the house. When Barbara, she arrived home later that evening, she found the window broken, so she taped a piece of cardboard over the broken glass until she contacted the landlord later. Also that evening, her husband, ex-husband, stopped by, and besides his normal harassment towards Barb to get back with him, this is her recent ex, he was telling her that she had to go to a meeting at her attorney's office, and it had to be now. Although she was really skeptical, she hurried out of the door, deciding to stop at the attorney's office first, then go to the store to grab the ingredients she needed for some chili soup she was going to make, and then the last thing she would do is go to the hospital to see her mom. So, Kathy grabbed her purse and her coat, telling her children that she wouldn't be long, and she hurried out the door, got into her car, and her ex, he got into his car, and they both drove away. Barb never arrived at her attorney's office, and she never returned home to her young children. Her daughter, Kathy, who was 14 at the time, can you imagine... Being, just think of how you was at 14. Uh, a female at 14. We have so many questions. We need our moments. We're becoming young adults. Yeah, I, I can't imagine going through that period of time in my life without my mom. Well, Kathy told me that that night at bedtime, she felt something was strange. Something was off. Then, when they all woke up the next morning, they had overslept, which is something their mom would never let happen. It never happened. So then Kathy said she really knew something was wrong. Uh, that morning, Barb's car was located on Linden Avenue, and that's important. We'll, we'll come back to this later. But there was no trace of Barb anywhere. And then sadly, this is so sad, three days later, her mom passed away. But she was still holding on to hope that her daughter, Barb, would, you know, soon be found. Well, the days and the nights that followed were filled with torment, fear, and sadness. This family grieved for both a loss and a disappearance. She will be here. I know she will. Her father said his voice was filled with determination as if somehow he could will it into reality. But the tears in his eyes gave him away. Then, in an almost whisper, he added, If she can. The strength went from his voice, showing the tremendous sadness and fear which filled his heart. Slowly, he turned his head toward the front of the room where his wife lay. Friends had been arriving steadily at the funeral home. That gave him strength, and they showed the outpouring of their love. His eyes, which always sparkled, were dull and almost lifeless now. Life was hard enough, but to lose a child under such mysterious circumstances, and his wife at the same time, that was almost more than he could bear. The funeral of his wife passed without a word about their daughter. Barb Frame had simply vanished. Okay, folks, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back. Okay, let's recap real quick. Barb Frame, she was 38-year-old white female from Zanesville, Ohio at the time of her disappearance. She had been married for 15 years to her first husband, and she went on to remarry again, which also ended in divorce in 1985. Between caring for her children, her job, going through that divorce, plus assisting her mother, who was ill, 
Barbara's a very busy young woman. Now, on this day, it was January 30th, 1985. Remember, it was cold out, and the ice had ended up cracking a bedroom window. Barb had taped it up with some cardboard so she could get to it later. Well, Kathy told me that her mom's ex-husband had showed up, uninvited like always. It was around 5 p.m. He told her mom that he had an, she had an appointment with her divorce attorney. She had to go to the office immediately. Kathy heard him say it was urgent. She had to leave now. Barb told her children that she's going to run some errands also. So, for them to go ahead and do their homework, she grabbed her coat and her purse and she walked out the back door, driving away in her blue Monte Carlo with her ex-husband on her tail. He drove us right behind her. Well, Barb never arrived at that attorney's office. The following morning, Kathy says, when they woke up late, and they never woke up late, she instantly knew something was awful had happened to her mom. Like, not hospital awful or jail awful, but something horrible. That morning, a friend stopped by, expecting to catch a ride to work. When Barb didn't show, that friend... Uh, caught another ride, but she called someone to help the family. Poor Kathy. She instantly went into big sister mode, got everyone ready, and went to school. Oh, sitting in the middle of school, not knowing what's going on with your mom. Thinking the worst, I'm absolutely sure. Later that day, Barb's car was found, <clears throat> excuse me, on Linden Avenue. Remember across, now that's across the street from where she worked, which was United Technologies at the time. Big old factory. Uh, it was a, where she parked was in a bar called Jocko's. It is an overflow of where they used to park during the day from the factory would overflow over there during the day. Her coat, remember, and her purse was in her car, but there was no sign of Barb. Her sister said the car was in the right parking lot, right there at Jocko's. That's where she always parked, but not in her normal space. And you all know what that means. Like, if you have a job like that, you pull in, and it just becomes yours. You have a, a seat somewhere that's a reoccurring event. And that, you know, you keep sitting there, and it just becomes yours. Well, that was Kathy's lot, but not her spot. And that's just, uh, just unset right, I guess, right? Kathy said they had called the attorney the next morning, and he denied that there was any ever any appointment. The lawyer said that he didn't contact anybody to reach out to Kathy about an appointment. Family, friends, and even the co-workers allege... That Barb's recent ex-husband, the one that she left with, the one that was the last person to see her, he was very abusive, including domestic violence and even threatening her life on many occasions. Now, during the divorce, this was creepy. He moved very close to Barb and the children during the divorce. The divorce, now listen to this, to this, this divorce was on December 15th, and just six short weeks later, she was gone. Barb's children described his behavior, the ex-behavior, as stalking and frightening. Can anybody relate to this? I can relate to this. It's not fun. The last show I related to the addiction, I can, you know, connected. Here I can feel with this 14-year-old terrified, traumatized young teenage girl. That's about around the age I, that we left my, our abuser. Um, and even after when we left, it was more torment, harassment, dance, scary. Uh, don't know what's going to happen next. You live in const on constant nightmare fuel. Okay, now the ex-husband, now he did take two polygraph tests, but both results were inconclusive. And it was reported by a law enforcement officer that the ex was asking around about drugs interfering with the lie detector results. The family believes the ex-husband is a, if not the, prime suspect. 
Now, I found out her ex-husband was sentenced in 2019 for theft and something else, I think. He's incarcerated now. He has, in the past, several DUIs. There's also a junior in prison with him. Same prison, same name. I've been told that this is his youngest son, but not by Barb. Um, I guess he saw her and he saw his footsteps. We reached out to the ex-husband several times, and we haven't heard anything back. I'm hoping that for a reply. And it's really sad. The, the children were separated, and at, they had to go to foster homes at first. And then Kathy and the oldest went to uh, their father's. Barb's daughter, Kathy, says it's hard, very hard, not knowing what happened. She doesn't believe her mother's still alive, not after 38 years. But she swears she'll never stop seeking answers. I'll never give up. I'll keep trying. The hope that Barb Frame is alive has faded, but the need for answers and justice has not faded. Hopefully somebody will remember something. Something from back then, something you heard, you think it's minute, it might not be. Could be the missing puzzle piece. Their friends say it's time for the combination of truth and people's conscience come together. Maybe that will help bring an end to the search. Okay, folks, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Now, I thought this was interesting. This is from the Times Recorder. This is our local newspaper. And these articles, what I'm reading today is our articles that I put together from other resources. Paragraphs here, sentences here. And then I throw my comments in. And I will absolutely give all the credits to the reporters, the authors of these articles, any information. I will reference my resources um, in the uh, episode. So you will know where these came from, what dates, you have all that good information. So you also can see what was going on at this time. Okay. I thought these articles were well, I thought these articles were so well written and full of good information at the time this was happening. So, this is from the Times Recorder, and it says, 35 people claiming to be psychics have worked with the Zanesville City Police Detectives to try and stir up leads in the Barb Frame case. In August of 1985, seven months after Barb's frame disappearance, a psychic contacted the police department and informed them that Barb had been murdered on Linden Avenue and was taken to Ellis Dam and buried. Well, the deputies spent over four hours digging that area, and they did find tissue. However, it was later to be determined to be animal tissue. Detective Robert Allen said in an interview with the Times Recorder that the psychic did know things about the case and the search that were not made public. The name of the psychic or any of the other psychics are not known, but this one w was known to be from Marietta. Detective Allen provided the Times Recorder with a copy of a picture drawn from the information provided by one of the psychics, and the detective claimed that the house was in Muskingum County. It's a two-story home and at one time was dark gray or brown, may have had an addition built on, and has a white carport and a big backyard 
Now remember, this was back in 1985, but we do have a picture of that, and we do have, uh, like I said, copies of these articles of that picture, and once again, it'll be posted on our Facebook group and on our website. Now, Bart's daughter, Kathy, says her mother is deeply missed. She has mixed so much in the last three decades. Mother's Day is very hard. We just had graduations. That's hard. And the birth of six grandkids. The Ohio Attorney General's Office has done an age-progressive photo of Barb to help gain attention to her case. We do have that also on our Facebook group and our webpage. Okay, folks, let's talk about this case. Now, in my research, and I've also had another great re researcher, Amanda Birchfield, shout out to you, girl. Thank you. We looked into this old case, and there's a lot of articles out there, but unfortunately, it's stuff that's been picked out and rewritten, kind of like what I'm doing, uh, from the main two ones that came out at the beginning. But we're going to come back to these stories. We're going to come back to these cases for updates and what's called in the podcast world a deep dive. And we're really going to go out there. We're going to do our own investigating reporting, bring you guys uh, some more details, further details, deeper details. That's what we're hoping to do in this case and all of our cases. We really looked into this, and what was really amazing is in 1996, wherever the records were kept, it was destroyed there by a flood. So the city has no records of cold cases like this or anything, any files from 1996 backwards, except for the barbed frame case. Somebody evidently was looking at it, or it was sitting on somebody's desk, or something. Somebody had Barb's file. It was kept from being destroyed, and she's the only one. Our sources told us. So we're thinking that our records of Helen Robinson were destroyed because her disappearance was in 1982. But of course, we can't access any files or any reports pertaining to any of the cases that are cl not closed, therefore slamming the lid on any information we ask for. This is a really old cold case, like I said, from 1985. So I'll bring you some folks some more details. Maybe we can stir up some leads, bring some justice to this family. So I personally think, and remember, I'm no cop, I'm no lawyer or professional, anything. I'm just a hippie chick with an opinion. And my spidey senses are saying that the last person who saw her, that's what they say, was also the ex-husband. Now that sounds like a big person of interest to me. And I'm just going by what the actual cops law enforcement do because they look at the spouse for, first they look at the family per, first the last person that was seen with them and then they work their way out that's what we do that's how we investigate that's how we find out that's a very good procedure so some common sense sometimes can weigh out more than fancy pass to go or equipment something like common sense but you have to have proof right proof with Beyond a reasonable doubt. There can be no doubt. I know. I think it's easy, right, for me, a keyboard warrior like me, to say that. But the ex was allegedly very abusive. And looking at the crime report, sometimes that can explain mentality and morals of people. Especially with a son catching a case. I'm on with Papa. I mean, a dad who totally lied about an appointment. I mean, that's from what it seems, right? Because there was no appointment, and he told her there was. And the attorney said, no, there wasn't. Plus, he agreed to two interviews with the local paper, the Times Recorder, but then he revoked the interviews at the last minute. 
Law enforcement even followed a hand-drawn map that was found in Barb's house that took them to the outskirts of the city of Lancaster, and that turned out to be directions to a co-worker's home for a Tupperware party. I mean, can you imagine? I bet they was getting all excited. We did look into Barb's background, and we found nothing. No risky lifestyle, no drugs or addiction or signs of any mental crisis that's happened. And she was definitely not known for running away or disappearing. Everybody says she would never leave those children. Never. She honestly was just a good person who didn't want to travel. So, yeah, have you guys, anybody heard of this case? Have you heard of Barb Frame? So, let's hear your opinion. Let's chat about this. What do you think of the use of 35 psychics? Even if you're a believer or not, do you think that's a bit much? Or uh, Take a look at that map that we had there on the website of the house uh, with, that the psychic drew. Maybe you can recognize something about it. Uh, we're putting out flyers about Barb in the surrounding communities. If you'd like to help, you can download the flyer and print it out. We'd appreciate that. And I thank you for stopping by, Bretta, who is snoring over there. If you guys hear it, I'm leaving her in because that's her. She's ever just snoring away. And along with the co-victims, we do appreciate you very much. Let's leave some hearts in the comments sections to show the support for Barb and her family. Hey, visit our webpage and our Facebook group. Make sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. Be safe until next time.